We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, ladies and gents, boys and girls, what's going on? Thursday, October the 13th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here, the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up Show. Appreciate you all tuning in. We have got a packed show, lots to get into. Taking your questions, your comments, and your calls at 843-790-3377. That is 843-790-3377. I see Brendan, Justin, Nick, uh, Travis Lee, Justin Langford, Lance, DGD, Alan Vaughn, Travi, Stephen Morville Jr., Connor Lee, Noah Johns, Todd Smith, Chuck, Chase, also, those in the Big Cock Club Discord, have the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel, be sure your questions are answered there. I want to first say thank you to J.C. Sherbert and Phil Molnax for having me on Inside the Gamecocks. We just talked some South Carolina football on their airwaves. And we will have J.C., of course, on the show today at 1.15. Really excited to talk uh, the Gamecocks' big win in Kentucky uh, with JC, and we'll also talk a little bit about the bye week and, and look a little bit ahead to the Texas A&M matchup and, and uh, what that means and all that good stuff. Anyways, guys, appreciate it. Uh, you all tuning in, of course. The Daily Crow brought to you by our friends, as always, over at Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app, go to pricepicks.com. When you do, use the promo code TSUS. You're going to receive a 100% deposit match up to 100%. Dollars, Guys, you bet on spreads, you bet on totals, you bet on futures. Why not bet on the prop plays as well through our friends over at Prize Picks? So many folks that tune in the Spurs Up show, that tune in to TDC, are making tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks. Again, download the app, go to prizepicks.com. When you sign up, use the promo code TSUS. You're going to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them, that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Okay, phone lines are now officially open. Phone lines are open, 843-790-3377. We had somebody text in, hey, got a question for the show. You can also text the number if you'd like or comment via social media. Uh, Connor Lee says, after watching the basketball pressures yesterday, I'm so excited to see what we look like under Lamont. I know it's football season right now, but still. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's football, but I'm counting down 20 days. 20 days until Gamecocks basketball gets rolling. I'm excited, too. Listen, I, I love all the sports. I know it's football season, but I love all the sports and uh, pumped to start watching basketball. I mean, guys, before you know it, South Carolina actually plays Clemson the night before the Florida game. So, literally in a month, in a month, 
because that game's on November the 12th. In a month, the Gamecocks will take on Clemson in basketball. So, uh, going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for basketball in, what, two weeks or so? In about two, two and a half weeks, we'll officially drop a basketball season preview show, right? I will preview the season, predict the season, break it all down, all that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, going to be a lot of fun. And that's really when the content – uh, really when it's content bleeding out the eyeballs because you got multiple sports going on and m- multiple things to discuss and talk about. and uh, It's a lot of fun for sure. Um, anyways, guys, anyways, yes, chop on. You see the hat? Chop on. Braves get the dub last night. How about the Bravos? Bravos got the dub. Bravos got the dub. Love to see it. Lance says, the Roach King has followed me. <clears throat> it's time for lattes with the Roach. Yeah, he's actually going to be in town for a couple of games, Lance. We'll have to get him by the tailgate. Um, also, those tuned into the podcast version. Of course, now the Daily Crow is being distributed on the Spurs Up Show podcast feed. And the reception from you all and from those who have reached out has been nothing but positive. It's been nothing but positive. Folks saying, hey, I love that it's right here on this feed. It's easy to find. I don't have to go searching for it. So, hey, those who are tuned in that didn't normally tune into the podcast version, Welcome, and I appreciate you all tuning in as well because you are supporting the Spurs Up show. Again, guys, the the podcast is now monetized, so every time you tune in, you are supporting the business, and I can't say thank you enough. Jay Morris, what's going on? Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, We got a text here. Our guy, Caden. Caden says, "Uh, I've been meaning to ask, what do you think about Kentucky still being ranked above us in the AP poll and the SEC power rankings? We we both have the same record. Our only losses are number two, Georgia and Arkansas. We've also beaten them head to head. Wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, I think folks are giving Kentucky, whether you like it or dislike it, I think folks are giving Kentucky the benefit of the doubt because they didn't have Will Levis. I, I, I think that goes to show that people think if Will Levis played, that uh, Kentucky would have beaten South Carolina. And, and listen, I, I'm not going to. And that was uh, okay. Yeah, that was Caden. But uh, you know, it, I, we're not going to play the hypothetical game here in that sense because there's just no point. So, you know, would would Kentucky have beaten South Carolina with Will Levis? I don't know. Who, who gives a damn? I mean, they're, they're not going to drop them outside of the top 25, and they and they're not, and they shouldn't put us in the top 25, right? Just for beating Kentucky now. You beat Texas A&M. I saw somebody with a question a little bit earlier. If you beat Texas A&M, you're in the top 25. I think that's fair. Um, I think that's fair. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I just think you got to so, show some consistency. I think you've got to show some consistency. Uh, I see Bree commenting, by the way, talking about, told you almost three weeks ago we'd push them around on the line of scrimmage, and y'all did call me crazy. And Lady Bree, I stand by that. I stand by calling you crazy for saying that at that point. Um, again, I just talked about it with JC on the show, on his show. You know, kudos to the offensive line for doing it. But, yeah, if you'd have told me that three weeks ago that we would have outrushed Kentucky, I would have said you were crazy. Again, I also pat the offensive line on the back and say kudos for doing something you had not done against a competent opponent to this point this season. But both can be true. I mean, I, I still think, I mean, I was thoroughly impressed. And, you know, the, 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 the greatest positive for the O-line coming out of that game is they've improved week to week. And, again, I, I say tip of the cap, job well done. But, um, yeah, I, I, here's the thing I think people, Bree and others, probably need to understand is, like, you know, when you make picks and you make predictions, and I, I make every pick, prediction, opinion, whatever, with uh, under the disclaimer that I can change my mind. 
Lady Bree and others. I, I can change my mind, right? Just because you make an opinion and you have a you have a take in week two, that doesn't mean that has to be your take in week six. You know, in week two, the offensive line was dog shit. In week three, the offensive line was dog shit. I'm just happy that the offensive line has improved. They have improved. They they used Charlotte and SC State to find some continuity, to gel, to work together, and it paid off against Kentucky. But, yeah, I mean, that, that this is a football team that has improved, and that includes the offensive line. So, you know, yeah, what they did against Kentucky, it, it should be – it should be applauded because it's much different than what they did early on in the season. So, um, yeah. Anyways, I may not be an offensive line coach, Lady Bree, but I'm also not a chef, but I can tell you if the food tastes like shit or not. So, uh, yeah, the offensive line was pretty rough early on. It, it was pretty rough. Yeah, Georgia State still stands out of my mind very vividly. So, <clears throat> for us to go on the road and outrush Kentucky, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed. Um. Dre says, y'all can hate me for this, but we don't deserve to be ranked. Dre, I don't think anybody should hate you for that. I think that's a very fair take. I think just because you beat a vastly overrated Kentucky team without their quarterback doesn't mean – that doesn't mean you should be a top 25 team. Like, show some consistency. I think if you beat A&M, then I can see it. That's fine with me. But, yeah, just one win over Kentucky. I, you need to see one more, right? You need to see South Carolina now follow that win up. That's what you need to see. So, I don't know. Yeah, the offensive line was rough the first three weeks. I, I, I'm not trying to pile on them. I said what I said, said early on in the season. I'm just glad to see that they proved me wrong and at least improved. I'm not saying they're going to be – they're not going to be a strength necessarily. I mean, they're, they're solid, though. The offensive line, I, I am honestly surprised at this point how solid they are. After what we saw early, I'm impressed and surprised. We'll see if it continues. A lot of football left. But, uh, yeah, that was impressive what they did against Kentucky. It really was. And it's something, that, again, I, I would not have – I would I would have bet good money on that Carolina would not outrush Kentucky. I mean, I think I said it the week of the Kentucky game or the week of – or the day after you beat SC State that, you know, we're going to go to Kentucky, rush for 68 yards, 3.2 yards per carry, and kind of do our, our standard song and dance and, and be done with it. And I'm just glad to be proven wrong. I, I'm very glad. Again, I just want to see us win. I don't want to be right. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Roy Gwynn, if we beat A&M, it won't be like Kentucky sloppy. We'll have to play good football, and then we should be ranked. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about A&M next week, but I, I don't think A&M's a great team by any means. I, I think that's a very winnable game. They've got their issues with the quarterback. Um, so I think it's an extremely winnable game. So, uh, let's see. Matt Sellers, I believe Greg Atkins was out. It, it has been, uh, God, what's his name? What, 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 what's, the, what's the guy? What's the guy coaching the O line now? I don't know. Either way, Greg Atkins has been out. Yeah, he was not there in Lexington. So we'll, we'll see what comes of that. I, I, I don't know. I think uh, you know, outside of football, second straight year that Greg Atkins has had to deal with with health issues. Maybe the writing's on the wall for him. But uh, yeah, the O line, the O line's played better. The O line's played better, no doubt. The O line's played better. So. Let's see. Jesse Jacobs says A&M will be a great win, but with their third string, and we really don't know how much after the game either. I don't think people realize how much losing a quarterback can affect all aspects. Yeah, I mean, Jesse, listen, I, I don't think South Carolina should be crowned as SEC champions because they beat Kentucky, but it, it, was, it was a great win. It was a great win. Go on the road, 
you know, physically impose your will on a team. I'm taking nothing away, but yeah, now you got to follow up on it. Now you got to follow up on it. So, um, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, it is wild, Dre, how, uh, God, I mean, I, and I get DMs about it constantly about, you got to block this Clemson fan from the Spurs Up Show Facebook page. You got to block this guy. And I'm like, I mean, guys, you're, you're, you can't just block everybody. Like, I mean, people have the freedom on social media to comment on whatever they want or go to whatever site they want. But it is crazy. It, it is crazy how on Facebook, I know I talked about this a little bit yesterday, how on Facebook, though, folks, um, how, how f we have so many rival fans um, comment on our Facebook page. Uh, again, guys, we'd love to hear from you calling in, calling in. We'd love to hear y'all calling in. So, Lady Bree says, main difference first half and second half was Spencer Rattler's execution. I mean, I think overall execution, I think overall execution for sure, um, got better. Yeah, perimeter blocking I thought was really good um, or much better, the best we've seen it all season. I, I thought the play call again to Jalen Brooks was, was uh, you know, was, was one of the best play calls of the season. Thing of beauty. Those, th those plays are a thing of beauty when they work. You know, they're a thing of beauty when they work. They they are abysmal and they're ugly when they don't, right? Think of Kentucky, the first play versus us running a reverse. So, um, you know, listen, wh whether you want to blame, you know, we're halfway through the season. We're halfway through the season. And you got people like Bree that think the offensive line's been, been elite since week one. You got other people that think Satterfield sucks. You got other people that think Spencer Rattler sucks. You got other people that think the receivers suck. I don't give a damn really who you want to spread blame to. Um, at the halfway point of the season, I'll talk much more about it on the podcast on Monday when I do my grades and stuff like that, that, you know, now the question just for me turns into, can you build off that second half at Kentucky, right? Can, can you build off that second half at Kentucky? Um, everything's got to get better. Everything's got to get better. So, you know, I, I look at, again, the offensive line has made The offensive line's made strides and everything else got to come along. So. what's going on man how are you good man how are you doing today i'm doing well appreciate you asking what's up ah man sucks there's no football this weekend man go on the road and you you win like that <laughs> just itching to see some more man there's, pl there's plenty of football man there's plenty of sec football i know it's not game cops <laughs> but yeah yeah you're right Yep. No, I just want to call in and talk about it. Um, I, I guess what myself and, and most most Gamecock fans want to see now is can you keep consistent? And, and it's just that's always kind of been our, our Achilles heel, so to speak, is can you keep consistent? And, and, and I mean, you got a great opportunity coming up to do that against A&M. I, I tell you, it's, it's – uh, it's really what I want to see, some consistency. Yeah. I mean, do you go in there and you just you just bomb, or, or do you, <laughs> you know, do you Carolina, so to speak? Because my God, we've done it in the past. <laughs> you know, winning winning crazy wild games like that, and just you come in the next week and you like a different team. I hope I hope there's consistency. Yeah, no, for sure. Listen, I I think that uh, all fans, we all want to see the same thing, man. A team just go out, look like it has a plan, and. Uh, improves week to week. I mean, that's, that's, that's literally it. Um, so 
it, it'll be interesting. Again, I'll, I'll talk a lot more about the A&M game next week, but I, I think A&M certainly, they're a very talented football team. They're a flawed football team, but they're a very talented football team, right? So I, I don't think it's just some well, gimme well, that Carolina is going to win this game. And uh, it's it's right. going to be a very close competitive game, no doubt. But um, well, they're a lot on they're they're a lot on the same level as we are. I mean, you got a lot of talent. And just <laughs> right. I mean, like like I like I mentioned, like I mentioned, the next four opponents. I think, uh, you know, maybe maybe not so know. much Vandy. The next four opponents. Uh, you know, you, you've got the you, your elite teams in the SEC: Georgia, Bama. Then you got Tennessee. I think's up there, whether you like it or not. They're up there now. Uh, and then everybody else is just sort of just anybody can beat anybody on any given Saturday. So. I think Carolina could beat A&M. I think they could certainly lose to A&M. It, it's, that's the beauty of it, kind of. It's, it's one of those toss-up games. So, um, you know, if, if you're facing QB3 for them, I know he's a five-star, but taking advantage of that game plan will be sort of similar to Kentucky in the sense of getting after a young quarterback. Uh, their defense is a lot better than Kentucky's. So, um, you know, I, I think the number one thing, obviously, coming out of the bye week and going in the second half is we just got to see the offense continue to make strides or, or just make strides in general. Um, because, I mean, I think you can look at that Kentucky game critically and say that, I mean, it, listen, it's great to have gotten the win. It's great to have gotten the win. It yeah. feels good to be good, right? But the but offense you didn't, certainly you didn't beat a great – Yeah, Kentucky's not a great team. Right. I mean, I, I said all week they were frauds. They're, They're overrated. <laughs> right, I mean, I said they were frauds all week. Right. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't have said that about Georgia, right? I, I think Kentucky's still a fraud. Yeah. I think Kentucky – I think with Will Levis, they're overrated. I think without him, they're trash. I think they're and – and I'm not trying yeah. to take anything away from Carolina, but that's just an honest assessment of the Kentucky Wildcats. They're just not very good, uh, without him especially. Right. Now, with him, they're probably a seven, maybe an eight-win team, but without him, it's pretty rough. So, um, it's listen, it's – it's. I think I, – I, let me put it this way. I think the win over Kentucky is a great win, not so much because, you know, you showed you're a top-10 team or you're a top-15 team, it's just a great win because you went in a Lexington and did something that you have not done in recent memory. South Carolina hasn't gone on the road and dominated an opponent a whole lot, right? It just hasn't happened. Yeah. So the fact that you that you you nixed a negative trend, that to me, that's my bigger takeaway from it. You know what I mean? That yeah, that is they, that they is kind of in our yeah. They've kind of been our kryptonite for how many God, how many yeah. years. And, and you, and like you mentioned, so you, that, you need to do more of that because you got a lot of negative streaks and trends to break in the second half of the season. I mean, I posted about it this morning, but you got especially A and M. Yeah, you've got an eight, especially you got A&M. A M. Eight game losing streak to A and M. You never beaten them. You got a three game losing streak nope. to Mizzou. You've got a uh, three game losing streak to Tennessee, and you got a seven game losing streak to Clemson. So you got a lot of streaks yeah. on the line. I, I was. In the I was in I was in Columbia, I was in Columbia eight years ago when Texas A&M joined the SEC and we came in ranked. I don't even know it was top ten, mm. and they just <laughs> they beat the dog shit out of us on a Thursday night. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember that, and mm-hmm. uh, we just gotta we gotta break that streak. We got we gotta win. We gotta win that game. I, I look at that as as one of the one of the gotta wins. I mean. Yeah, I don't know about you, but that's that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I said it over the summer that Mizzou is the must-win game of the year because he, here's the thing: we all want to beat A and M. It's a huge game, but if you lose to A and M and you beat Mizzou and Vandy, your season's still you're, you're golden. You're six and three going into your final three, dude. If you yeah. if you lose to Mizzou, it's like losing to Kentucky. I mean, it's just it's just inexcusable. I mean, you know what I mean? It's it's just if you're trying to be yeah. on on the up and up as a program. 
that's the streak you got to end in my mind. But certainly, man, we it, it's hard to stomach having an eight-game losing streak against anybody. I don't give a damn who it is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one certainly. And you feel like, too, I think there's a lot of pressure or there's just some pressure on this one because you feel like this is by far your best opportunity to beat Texas A&M. I mean, they're, they're, they're extremely flawed. Could be on QB3. Yeah. I mean, this this is a great you, – you got them at home at night. It's like if you don't beat them this year, I mean, yep. it, it's it's there for the taking. It's there for the taking. So It is. It is. Well, I won't be there for Texas A&M, but I will be at the Mizzou game. So, nice. stop by Very and see good. you and say hello. Very good. All right, well, I'm going to jump off here. Let somebody else talk. I appreciate you. Yeah, man, appreciate you. Thanks so much for the call. Yes, sir. Bye. Yep. Great stuff. Eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven here on this Thursday. Chase in the TDC Question Channel says Mississippi State's going to smack Kentucky on Saturday. Their season will be over this weekend. I tend to agree with you. I don't know about season being over, but I, I got I'm on State minus six and a half. I think it is. Yeah, I think State's going to smack smack Kentucky, bro. I, I just I don't know. I, I know it's in Lexington, and you think Kentucky's really got their backs against the wall, but <clears throat> I, I don't see anything. I don't see anything that tells me that. Uh... Call from Hunter. Hunter, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, uh, not too bad. Just on lunch break, just ready to get off. Nice, nice, very good. But, uh, yeah. Um, so I, I do have a question. Uh, for this weekend, uh, or after next, or after this weekend, do you think uh, do you think we'll be ranked at all since we haven't played this weekend, or? No, they're they're not going to rank us over the bye week. I mean, we're 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 thirty second, I think, in the AP or the coaches, and thirty fifth in the other one. There ain't no way we're going to jump ten yeah. spots by not playing. I, I can I can assure you. So, uh, if we go out and so beat, for sure, if we beat for sure, if we beat uh, Texas A and M, then we should be in the top one five. I mean, you would think so. Um, you would think so. I mean, I guess, I guess technically, my friend, if the top twenty-five teams all win, then we wouldn't get in, right? I mean, that's probably not going to happen, right. but technically, so you know, we'll. we'll I, I just look at it this way, man. You keep winning, you'll get ranked. I mean, I, I know we all want to be ranked. It's cool seeing the number next to your team and everything. So, I mean, listen, if you go out and you beat Texas A&M by two touchdowns and you look impressive, then. Yeah, I think I think South Carolina should be ranked. Yes, so I, I can't say for certain. I can't guarantee it, but I, yeah, I think you should be ranked if that happens. Like I said in the chat a while ago, <laughs> we, we still can't go ten and two. I mean, it's four and two right now. I mean, it's very possible. <laughs> oh yeah, ten and two, man. <laughs> and pigs will fly. Ten yeah. and two. Hey, Beamer Ball Astat still in play. Beamer Ball Astat still in play. Yeah, I, I actually did want to buy some. I'm a, I'm probably actually buy one uh this weekend because I'm going to the Carolina Tennessee game with my uh, with my sister's husband. So awesome, dude. There's there's a lot of people going to that Carolina Tennessee game. So that's uh, yeah, that, that's that's gonna be a heck of a night. Um, A and M's gonna be incredible. So that'll be awesome. Man. Yeah, that'll be awesome. I yeah, appreciate and that. especially uh this weekend, I forgot to say I'm going to the Florida and LSU game. I don't know if you got any tips of like what I should not wear because it's the first time going to a college football game. Wow. First time going to a college yeah. football game, Florida LSU in the swamp. Wow. Uh, yep. I, I don't know, man. Probably just wear something neutral unless you want to dress in gators or LSU colors. I don't know. So, Or you could just wear your Gamecock yeah. stuff and yeah, say to, I, to hell with it. I'm kind of nervous. I've never been around with that, that many people. Yeah, wear, wear your Gamecock stuff and say to hell with it. Why not? Oh, yeah. Hell with it. Screw it. 
Yeah, that's all I got to say. I guess I'll uh, have to get back to work. So I, I guess I'll watch you tomorrow. Dude, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. No, no problem, man. Take Thank it easy. Hunter, appreciate you calling in. Hey, we've had a call a couple of times from uh, from Hilton Head. Guys left a couple of voicemails. If you want to call back in, I think Paul from Bluffton. I think that's who it is because uh, he did leave a voicemail. If you'd like to call back in, my guy, phone lines are now open. I apologize for not getting you on earlier. You know, everybody's saying, everybody's saying, let's do a white out. Let's do a black out. Let's do a garnet out. Why don't we do a beamer ball out? Everybody in the stands rocking Beamer Ball. Everybody in the stands has a Beamer Ball towel. It's just an idea. Just an idea. Why not? The Beamer Ball out. Would be cool. Would also be very good for business. <laughs> TSU has to the moon. Beamer Ball to the moon. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways. Anyways, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. We, we've been having a lot of fun on uh, social media this morning, by the way. Just, uh, you know, o- over the bye week, it's a fun time to talk about some different topics. And like I mentioned, guys, in case you didn't realize, Carolina streaks right now. Losses. Eight in a row to A&M, which is so interesting, by the way. The only team, the only team South Carolina does not have some sort of streak against in these final six games is Florida, right? Is Florida. That's the only one because you, you beat them last year and, and they beat you in uh, 2020. Vanderbilt, you've won 13 in a row. So you have, let's see, you've lost eight in a row to A&M, <clears throat> lost three in a row to Mizzou, beaten Vandy 13 in a row, then Florida, You've lost to Tennessee three in a row and then lost to Clemson seven in a row. So, like, there are streaks in every game except one. Kind of wild. Kind of wild to see that, right? Like, how how many games you have streaks in. And I also pose this question. I'll pose it here to you guys. With 21 hours left in the poll, it's only been up for three hours. It's so funny that I've had people say, this is a no-brainer. Why even throw this poll up? Well, it's obviously very highly debated. Um, I said, which streak does South Carolina need to end more? Eight straight losses against Texas A&M or seven straight losses to Clemson? Which streak needs to get snapped more? And I think the answer to this is really, I don't think, I think the beauty of this question, I don't think there is a right or wrong answer. I think it really just comes down to your preference. You know, I I say that because I'm not going to come down on you no matter your answer, right? I think they're both important to snap. I think for the sanity of the fan base, beating Clemson is the one you need. Um, But I think for SEC, right, it kind of goes back to the the Steve Spurrier mentality that you take care of your business in SEC play, the rivalry takes care of itself, right? But I think, obviously, if you – I mean, there are some fans that live and die by that Carolina-Clemson game. And, my God, if you do, you've had a really rough stretch of years since 2013. But um, there are some people that live and die by that game and that desperately they, they want more than anything. They would take a 1-11 season if it meant we beat Clemson. So, if you view it from that scope, then I think your, your viewpoint is going to be a little bit swayed. You know what I mean? It's going to be a little bit swayed. But um, – There are important reasons to end both streaks. You know, A&M, you look at that game, 
you just don't want to have an eight-game losing streak. Could be nine. You don't want to have a streak like that against anybody. You know what I mean? And, and, and again, as Spurrier said, you take care of your business in the conference because the goal is to win the conference. You've beaten Clemson before. You've beaten them. It's been a long time, but you've beaten them before. You've never beaten Texas A&M. That's a monkey you need to get off your back, right? If you're trying to move up the SEC hierarchy, right? That that's a that's a game you need to win. You need to snap that streak. And then on the flip side, again, the Clemson thing. I mean, that's, that's just one that I think, you know, I see your comments. I see Travis Lee. I don't have to live beside Texas A&M fans. See, I've got a different vantage point, too, because I don't have Clemson friends. I just don't, bro. I don't associate with any folk in my life that are Clemson people. I don't. I don't. Um, so, I, I don't have this, God, we, we just, we need to win because, you know, I just can't stand my coworker. I can't stand my neighbor. Like I don't. I don't have that issue. I really don't. So, uh, but it's a big game, obviously, man. What what it means for the state, and you know that that's one that. It's one. It's so interesting how it can sway the opinion of your season, right? We we go seven and five this year, but beat Clemson in our final game. I mean, the, the whole viewpoint of the season is different. Travis Lee says, I didn't choose my neighbor. Well, Travis Lee, you don't have to interact with your neighbor, do you? Do you, do you interact with your neighbor on a daily basis? If so, that's unfortunate. Rick Foreman, my new brother-in-law is a Clemson graduate, but he's not He's he's not like a diehard fan, man. My sister's even trying to convert him. So I, I don't think Cameron really, I don't think it really matters a whole lot to him. He's Let me put it to you this way. He's not... He's not a Clemson fan to the to, to the degree where it bothers me in any sort of way. So, Justin, he says, my guy has TSUS thought about a partnership with Gigi, home team guy that stay home. Stay tuned, Justin. Stay tuned. That's all I'm gonna say. We're we're working on something behind the scenes that could be very very big next weekend, actually. So just stay tuned. Safer. Chase says in the Big Cock Club Discord TVC Questions channel, he says, we beat the Aggies next week. I don't see us being ranked. At that point, they would ha- they would be three to f- three and four nationally. It wouldn't be an impressive win. I think the media would just hop on flaming Jimbo for a lackluster season. Uh, if they were four and two or better, we would be ranked with a win, in my opinion. We'll be like 26th to 28th range. And you know, Chase, that's fine. I don't give a damn. You know, you know like the, the rankings are cool. It's 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 I think it would, I think it would, I think it would say a lot about, you know, it, it'd be a great thing for the program to say, hey, and you're too ashamed, Beamer. We were ranked, or we are ranked. But I mean, we all know, right, that if if you're not fighting for the college football playoff, like the rankings don't really they don't really mean a ton. Other than at any point, you can sit there and say, you know, we're a good program because we're ranked. But, I mean, look, Kentucky's still ranked, guys. What does that mean? Does it mean anything? So, anyways. John Edwards says, my brother's a Clemson fan. Jeez, tough. William, appreciate you tuning in, my guy. Thank you so much. Guys, phone lines are wide open. Again, we got J.C. Sherbert on at 115. Excited to get his thoughts 
on everything that happened over the weekend and also thoughts going into the bye week. Great football on this weekend, guys. Great football. Is there, is there a college game on tonight? Let's see. I know I just asked you all, but I'm going to look this up. Let's see. There is – yes, yes. Okay, two. Baylor, West Virginia. That'll be a good one. Baylor, West Virginia at seven. Temple, UCF at seven. And then the fun really gets going Saturday. By the way, guys, I don't know if we got any Gamecocks that are in Lancaster. Anybody who's in that area, but uh, – Yours truly playing in the South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association softball game on Saturday. We'll actually have the founder of SCYDA. He will be on the show tomorrow just to sort of promote the show and tell you guys what's going to happen, what it's going to be about, right? What the game's all going to be about. But uh, we'll be at Doomsday Corner in Lancaster to play in that game and Appreciate them asking me, and it's for a great cause, guys. If you want to come on out and watch your boy hit some dingers, you're more than welcome. Uh, again, going to be out there basically all day. Um, what time do – do? what time does – let's see. Here it is right here. Okay, so that is the 3.30 game, Tennessee and Alabama. So, I'm excited to play in the game. I hate I, – we're, we're going to have the games on, I no doubt. I'm going to have the games on my phone, no question. Um, and then who is – let's see. What time does – Oh, Clemson, Florida State, 7.30. How about Clemson's only, I think, a three-and-a-half-point favorite in that game? So, Florida, LSU. So, there's some great football on. Southern Cal, Utah at 8 o'clock. Love to see it. North Carolina, Duke at 8, if you want some rivalry action. What if Carolina, Clemson played in the middle of the season? Would that be weird? That'd, be, that'd be probably be pretty weird, wouldn't it? Probably be pretty weird. NC State, Syracuse, Georgia, Vandy. Eh. Auburn Ole Miss at noon. Michigan, Penn State at noon. Got some really, really good games. Really good games. Vitek, Miami at 12.30. Interesting. What's happening at Virginia Tech football? Uh, let's see. Jesse Jacobs, Chris, you look like you averaged about 250. Well, I was a pitcher in college, Jesse. I wasn't even a hitter, so I'd take 250, actually. I would. I would take 250. Uh, somebody asked about Travis Lee. Have you heard rumors on Corey Rucker transferring? I have not. And I, I know that a lot of folks, I know that a lot of folks have their, their rumors because they, they, what's interesting is what Corey Rucker posts on social media. And, you know, I know Beamer said that he's been hurt, but I, I mean, and our guy Austin Greer thinks people are crazy for not knowing the guy has a broke foot. You know, played against Charlotte, kind of just faded off into the distance. I guess maybe his, uh, I guess his uh, his foot flaring back up. So, I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal with Corey Rucker is. I have no idea. I don't want to try to draw any conclusions, but he has some of the stuff he posts on social media, like on his Instagram story, is kind of like, but uh, anyway, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea on Corey Rucker. That's why those guys coming into a season, you know, that's why I told you all, right? That's why I told you all. You got to keep realistic expectations in the sense for all these new pieces. Like some things are going to overachieve, right, and exceed your expectations. Some things are going to underachieve 
and fall short of your expectations. And some things are going to hit right in the middle, be kind of what you expected. And so Corey Rucker is one of those guys that, you know, sucks because it's due to injury, but he has not lived up to anything we hoped and expected from him, right? Because he hasn't played. So that, and that's sort of kind of what happened. I mean, I don't, I don't think Christian Beal Smith's really been, I mean, I'm not trying to knock these guys, but like, you just, they're not all going to come in and be all Americans. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that Christian Beal Smith hasn't been a positive contributor to our football team, but like, you know, you just, everybody gets kind of caught up in the preseason. And um, by the way, we can talk about this today if you want to, before JC gets on, you know, I, I posted a clip late last night and, um, uh, Posted the clip late last night. It was from a conversation we had yesterday here on these, here on these airwaves. And I, and I talked about how I'm in it for the long haul with Shane Beamer and how for the first or the next three to four seasons, first four to five seasons for Shane Beamer, it's all about making postseasons, right, and stacking recruiting classes. And a lot of folks or some folks disagreed on social media saying, Chris, if we go six and six in year four or year five, that is absolutely inexcusable. Let me say this. My entire point behind that clip was as long as you're going, here's the thing, because building consistency is a positive, right? Will Muschamp's problem in building the South Carolina football program, building, wasn't that year four or five, we weren't winning 10 games. It was the fact that it was such a, there was no consistency. You know, you won nine in year two. Then you win seven in year three. Then then you win four in year four. Then you're two and eight in year five. I mean, it's just like, as long as you're keeping your head above water, in my opinion, I'm not saying that we should throw a parade. You should throw a parade for going six and six in year five. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just making the point that as long as you're making postseasons, you know, South Carolina should strive, in my opinion, to get to a point where a bowl game is sort of an afterthought. A bowl game is, well, no, duh, we go to bowl games every year. And we're not far from that. I think, obviously, the minimum expectation for this program is to go to a bowl game every single year. But I've talked about realistic expectations for South Carolina football. If this program can get to a point where it's averaging, over the course of a decade, eight wins per year, and every three to four years you realistically have a team that can compete, win double-digit games, compete with the likes of Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, compete to go to Atlanta, I think that is a that is something we should all hope and strive for that this program can be. And, and I think if Beamer did that, he'd be the greatest coach in school history. Now, you got some slap dicks on social media that say, I've got a loser mentality for saying that, that accepting eight and four is a loser mentality. No, it's not. No, it's not especially when you and I have no control over what happens on the field of play. You're you're just setting, you are setting yourself up for heartache and pure failure. If you go into like year three of Beamer saying, you know, again, fans get caught up in this, in this scary, like, well, we won, you know, we won seven in year one. There's no excuse not to be winning 10 in year four. It just doesn't work that way. Like, it just it just does not work that way. And and I just still keep into – I still keep at the forefront of what South Carolina football has always been, right? What Spurrier did, I mean, really, folks, we should truly look at it as – for the greatness that it, that it was. 
because it, it goes so against the grain of what this program's always been. That's not who South County is. Winning 11 games for three straight years, that is something that, I, guys, I don't, I'll go on record and say until it happens, I, I don't think it'll ever be replicated. Or, is that correct? I don't think it'll ever be duplicated. I don't think it'll ever be done again. That type of run, 11 wins for three straight years, 33 and six over a three-year stretch. I, I don't think it'll ever be done again. I, I just don't. Because I don't think Georgia's going anywhere. I don't think Bama's going anywhere. Tennessee's on the up and up. Florida's always going to be pretty good. Kentucky has shown, you know, Mark Stoops has built a great program. It's just tough. It's, it's just hard. It's not really even a knock on South Carolina. It's just hard to have that type of success in the SEC. I mean, look at Texas A&M. They paid $30 million for a recruiting class, and they're 3-3. Three and three. It's just hard. It's just hard. So, you know, my point, again, being that for South Carolina to build – the type of quality depth they need to realistically challenge to win nine-plus games, especially on a consistent basis, it's going to take time. I mean, it's just it's just going to take time. Jeff Golich brings up blue-chip ratio. I think Beamer's doing a great job of that in this recruiting class. I think he's doing a fantastic job with that. But he's going to need three to four of those classes to, to you know, really build quality depth. And, and, I, and I saw people on social media com- commenting about the, the transfer portal. Right? <clears throat> How does the transfer portal impact? And I think the transfer portal is a great tool. But if this season has proven anything, guys, it's that the transfer portal doesn't solve all your problems. I mean, granted, we we might go ten and two. God forbid. I'd I'd love to, nothing more than to get a Beamer ball ass dad. I'd love that. <clears throat> I would love that. I would love that. But you know. Realistically, I think it, what it's shown is that it doesn't solve all your problems. You know, it doesn't solve all your problems. So, I mean, I think we need to continue to utilize the transporter, but I, I just, you know, and I, I know our good friend Mark Ryan, and I've heard others say this too, by the way, not just him, but many folks will tell you, you know, year three is the year. If, if it's, you know, year three is the year that tells you. I don't even know, like, what, like, and I know there's data to support it, but it's like, okay, so then what? How many does Beamer need to win in year three to 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 show you he's the guy? You know, if he goes seven and five, is he a bum? If he if he if he if he doesn't win ten games, like, <clears throat> I I think it will do. <clears throat> excuse me, guys. I think it'll do South Carolina football a lot of good to buckle up and buckle in for the long haul, and, and that's why I said, as long as you're making bowl games. I'm not saying six and six is a good season. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying throw a parade because you went six and six. But as long as you're making bowl games, you're keeping your head above water, you're showing these prospects, hey, we're just a couple guys away. We're chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. It ain't going to happen overnight, man. It's, It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not going to happen overnight. You got to chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away. You got to walk before you can run. And I just think there's many folks out there. There's not many. There's some. There's some. 
I just, for me, guys, I, I look at this thing very black and white. I, I don't, I don't, you all know, I don't put on garnet glasses. And so, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's funny. I, I think some fans think they really think their expectations dictate how many games we win. And it's like, dude, just cause like, there's some folks that think that I control how many games we win. Well, you know, if you, if you picked us to win 10, we'd go win 10. It's like, guys, I don't set that mark. I, I don't set the benchmark. I, I don't set how many games we win. I could, I could, my expectations could be for us to go six and six every year. That doesn't mean we're going to go six and six every year. Beamer and them do their own thing inside the building. I've said before, even after the Kentucky game, I'll tell you guys, my advice to fans, personally, my advice is, to set your expectations conservatively and be pleasantly surprised when things work out really, really well. I'm not saying that to say, like, have just stupidly low expectations. I'm just saying that, like, bro, if you go into every Carolina football season expecting 10-2, and I feel for you, man. I really do. I feel for you. Anyway, that, that's kind of a a side note. It feels good to be four and two right now. It feels good to be four and two. It does. It feels very good to be four and two. I, I think that's the number one thing, and that's the whole point of my clip from last night, is that, again, has it looked exactly the way we wanted? No. But we're four and two. I mean, that's it. We're four and two. Coleman Hall says, I don't understand how keeping head above water should be the logical expectation goal if South Carolina is bringing in top 20 recruiting classes every year. I don't expect much from the Gamecocks, so don't get me wrong. Well, I would say this, and Coleman, maybe maybe, <clears throat> maybe keeping head above water is not a, not a maybe, that's, maybe that's kind of aggressive. I think you continue to build the program if you go to postseason to win bowl games. Winning a bowl game is still a big deal at Carolina. Will, what's up, man? How are you? <clears throat> Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's up? Want to interject a little something different here, switch the pace up a little bit since we're in a bye week. Uh, talk a little bit about men's basketball. Uh, watch the Lamont Paris uh, press conference. Uh, <clears throat> getting kind of excited about basketball season this year. I think uh, we actually got a shot to make a little bit of noise that uh, Hayden Brown kid from Citadel looked up some highlights on him. He actually looks somewhat athletic and little he can handle the ball. Kind of a big kid, 6'5", 230. Obviously, Gigi Jackson, uh, the Nietzsche kid from uh, Ohio State, the point guard kid. A lot of, a lot of good things I'm hearing about him. Just kind of excited. I want to get your take on uh, what you thought. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm excited for year one of the Paris era. Um, I, I think <clears throat> sort of like Beamer, right? We're, we're just all excited for something different. I don't know exactly how many games we're going to win. Um, when you have a guy like Gigi Jackson leading the way, um, you, you'd love to see this team – make any sort of postseason. I mean, it's crazy how just adding, you know, in basketball, yeah. you add one guy of his caliber, <clears throat> and it changes. It changes your expectations for the season. So, um, you know, what? I, I don't really know what you deem as a success or failure in year one of Paris. I, I don't even know if that, if that applies in year one. I think it's just all about let's see how different it looks, if at all, right? And uh, – mm-hmm. You know, I, again, I think with Gigi, you could realistically shoot for 
<clears throat> going to the NIT, going to some sort of postseason, potentially. But uh, I think we're all just excited, man, to start a new era, um, especially after Frank Martin's made a complete ass of himself all offseason. So I'm happy he's not our coach anymore and excited for the Paris era. Yeah, I mean, I've really just kind of – it's put a bad taste in my mouth, all the shit that he said. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, he has gone out and just, you know, yeah, I mean, shit on you know, I, I'll, we haven't really talked about it a lot on these airways because, you know, obviously we've got caught up in football and focused on that. But, uh, yeah. you know, man, I, I really am grateful for – you know, I think Martin, without Frank Martin, right, he, he raised the level of expectations and, and the, the Final Four run was great and – and, uh, you know, he, he made it toward not going to the postseason's not an acceptable year. Like, we, we got a taste of it, right? And uh, now mm-hmm. fans have heightened expectations. And, you know, I give him kudos for that. But, uh, yeah, Frank Martin's a dickhead. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. He's a dickhead. Uh, it just, you know, it's uh, – and, and it just – and it just – you can be a dickhead and win, right? You can do that. You can get away with it. When you're not winning and you're that same dickhead, it's really hard to be on your side. So – I got no ill will, nothing against Frank Martin. I waited a lot longer, I felt like, than most people to say that a change probably needs to be made. But, yeah, man, it's 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 like a petty high school breakup, man, the, 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 some of the stuff he said. And, yeah, I mean, I hope UMass enjoys his douchebaggery. I don't, I don't know what else to say. So, <laughs> it, it, What bothers me is, is that he, he's never admitted his own fault. Like, he talks about us like, oh, they fired a winner. It's like, bro, appreciate the Final Four. But your ass didn't go to the postseason, but once the whole time you were here. Like, let's not act like, yeah, the, we didn't win a lot before you came here. I get that. The percentages in the SEC play were better. But, like, you know, like, you, did, you didn't do your job, bro. Like, you didn't take us to the postseason at, at one time. And in my opinion, even at a non-basketball school, once every four years ain't much to ask for, I don't think. You know what I mean? Like, I know we're not going every year. But as far as this year expectation, I think we can shoot for 20, 21 games in a possible tournament appearance. You know, I think that we'll probably be a little more willing to get – if Gigi Jackson turns out to be pretty good, they'll want to put us on TV a little bit more. And we're, we might even get a little bit more love from that tournament committee because that's how shit works. Mm. And, and, and maybe get a little bit more of a nudge. Uh, and, and I think – It'll be a little more exciting to watch this year, hopefully. Maybe the brand of basketball will be a little different because, you know, Frank Martin's brand of basketball wins sometimes, but it, it's hard to watch. And yeah. I, I'm looking forward to some different stuff. I, I think I think we're all really tired of watching Gamecocks teams, no matter the sport, with bad offenses. So I'd love to see a yeah. team that was exciting to watch offensively, scored a bunch of points. And, you know, again, <clears throat> with Paris, it's going to take time, build the program, what have you. But – uh I don't know, man. Men's basketball, South Carolina, it's it's an interesting thing. Like, I, what are the expectations? You know what I mean? It's it's. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, but I'm excited to see there's what Paris does. Of, right? There's not a ton of them. There's not a ton of them. Yeah, there's um, not there's not a lot of diehards like there are in, in football. You know, so yeah, for um, sure, they're there, but it's just a smaller but, number. But you know, I, I'll yeah. say this too, though, from what I do, and I, I've talked about a lot. I've got a unique vantage point on on Gamecocks athletics and and the fans and. This fan base loves basketball. They just want to be, they just want a winner. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's mm-hmm. basketball is a sport. You know, I'm admittedly like basketball is not my number one sport. Far from it. I'm a baseball guy, and then football, and then basketball. Um, bad basketball is hard to watch, man. It is hard to watch. It so is. 
Um, I, I think we all just want to see an exciting product, you know, get the most yeah. out of Gigi Jackson and uh, beat Clemson. And I think that that would be a pretty successful year. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah, see, I grew up, I played basketball, you know, so, and, and football is probably my favorite sport to watch, but because I play basketball, it's kind of like my first love, if you will. And I, and I've always liked watching game college basketball, but it's just been, it's been hard lately. And it's hard to get behind something that you, you don't fully, you know, love. Um, right. and, and Frank Martin kind of took some of that out of it. But, um, yeah, just excited to see what we can do when the girls are, are really kind of getting the program off on that end. And it's, it's, it's amazing to see what Dawn has done. I mean, she's an absolute stud, a winner, and, and she's recognized from everybody. You know what I mean? Like, we get a lot of publicity because of Don Daly, and, and, and that's cool. But uh, I'll hang up and listen, bro. Appreciate Later, it, Will. Man. Thanks so much, man. Great stuff. Yeah, I'm excited for basketball, too. And uh, listen, this isn't uh, this isn't pile on Frank Martin Day, but I, I just really haven't talked about it since, you know, he said all he said on uh, on that one podcast, the, the Slap Dick podcast. Um. I don't know, man. I just – I think – I think uh, – I get not being happy with the decision. But Frank talking about he got fired for winning. Yeah. Good one. Guys, again, we're going to jump into a quick break. But I want to continue to hear from you more your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to The Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Let's get back into your questions. And by the way, uh, somebody tweeted yesterday about about, uh, South Carolina basketball having a secret scrimmage uh, per watch stadium. That secret scrimmage, October the 22nd, will be against the Charlotte 49ers. So in case you were wondering, not so secret, I guess. Um, let's see. Coleman Hall says, I'm just so tired of good to great recruiting and bad teams with little to no offense. I blame Muschamp for my lack of patience. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's, coaches don't get, you know, four or five, six years to build a program anymore. It's, it's win now. Uh, that's the mentality, win now. And, and I understand, listen, I understand it too with the recruiting. Um, I, I just say this about Shane Beamer, you know, if, if, if by year four, right, it doesn't look different with his guys in place, then I think you're like, okay, what the hell's going on? But still at this point, it's a lot of carryover from the previous regime. Again, we're four and two right now. I, I think we're in a good spot. I really do. I know things aren't perfect. We're, we're guys, I, I'll go out on a limb and say this. We're, we're not going to win our next four games in a row. I, we're not. I, I don't think so. Like, like we, we, you know, A&M, Mizzou, Vandy, Florida, those next four in a row, do I think we are consistent enough to win all four of those? No, I don't. I think if you go three and one in those next four, that is a fantastic. Right? Three and one? No. Which game am I missing? Oh, Tennessee. Tennessee, okay. If you go three and one in those next four, though, 
I think that's a success. I, I really do. And I'm not trying to you know, set limiting beliefs or limiting expectations. But if you went into Tennessee 7-3, and three, I mean, would you guys scoff at that? I think that would be a really, really good record. I, I think that would be – yeah. So if you can go 3-1 and one over these next four, I, I, I think that – I think you did really well. I think you did really, really well. So – Austin Greer says three and one is the best case scenario. I, I I just realistically, I don't think we win all four of them. I we're, we're, again, we're we're the the good news is these next four games, these teams you play are just as much, if not more so, inconsistent and flawed like you. But we're also inconsistent and flawed, you know. So I I, I think that. I think it's smart for our fans to go into the second half of this season and understand, hey, we've seen us play well on the road and beat Kentucky. We've also seen us play like complete shit. So, I mean, we're somewhere in the middle of that, right? And understanding, too, that Kentucky, not world beaters, right? Not world beaters. So, you know, it's it's hold on to your seats, folks, because who knows? It's unpredictable. That's the beauty of it. That's the fun of Gamecocks football, but that's just sort of sort of where you are, so... Um, you know, we'll again we'll talk more about AM next week and I'll lock in a prediction, all that good stuff. I mean, I, I had AM beating you pretty good in the preseason, but I also thought AM was gonna go 10 and 2. So I gotta stop picking AM to do well. AM has just proven they do not deserve that. They they don't deserve to be picked to win. Like they just don't. They just don't. I don't know. They just don't. Uh Chase in the TDC question channel says. Chris, do you think Strider or Morton gets to start tomorrow for the Braves? Still TBA at the moment. I think it's probably Morton. That's just a pure guess on my end, but I think it's probably Morton. So, uh, Brendan M. notes that women's basketball will scrimmage UNC that same day that Carolina scrimmages Charlotte, the men's team. So. There you go. Yeah, men's and women's, both around the corner. Both men's and women's around the corner. Uh, Carter Bingham, if we win seven straight, <laughs> we, might, we might just win the last two. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't think, that th- this team isn't a seven-game win streak. A seven-game win streak. Travis Allen says, Chris, if the quarterback play looks lackluster next week against Texas A&M next week, who could be on their third quarterback? Could we not use two quarterbacks? Travis, do you think using two quarterbacks is going to solve problems for us offensively? I think it just creates another problem. No, listen, listen. Spencer Rattler is not getting benched at all, at any point this season. He would have to play so poorly. Guys, it's not happening. It's not happening. He's not getting benched. Bottom line, in the story, in the discussion, he's not getting benched. Jeff Gulledge, no podcast tomorrow. No TSUS podcast. The Daily Crow podcast, of course, will drop uh, because we will have TDC tomorrow as normal. But with the bye week, just really nothing to discuss. And, and obviously, I, we've got our midseason uh, report card show upcoming. I thought about, should we do it on, on on Friday? Should we do it on Monday? And I felt like, you know what, let's do it Monday so we can really kick off next week in style. So there will be no TSUS podcast tomorrow, but the Daily Crow podcast will drop 
on the Spurs Up Show podcast feed. Um, I will just say this. I will say this. I think we're in a really good position still to go seven and five. I think eight and four would be. It's like, you know, it's it's why <laughs> it's funny to go back to this conversation, but it's why I asked you all over the preseason. I'll either give you eight and four or roll the dice, right? And so many, oh, Chris, roll the dice, baby. We're going to win it all, 10 and two. Nah, bro, I would have taken eight and four. I took eight and four every day of the week. I'd still take eight and four. I would still take eight and four. So, I think we're in a good position. I think I think right now, gun to head, we probably end up seven and five. I think so. Travis Allen says, not saying bench the guy, but use Doty or to carry on Joiner in certain plays to mix it up. <laughs> I hear you, Travis. I hear you, man. Um, I hear you. I hear you. I'm just telling you, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I do not think it's going to happen. Somebody said any word on Luke Doty taking his red shirt. I, Craig, I think that's something if that were to happen. I, I don't think we're going to know about it. I doubt it. I doubt it. So. Austin Greer says, imagine the outrage if we end up six and six. Well, I mean, let's look at all possible scenarios, Austin. I mean, if, if you, if you beat Mizzou and Vanderbilt, right? And you do end up six and six. I mean, I I, I think, I think it. Listen, I, I said this over the summer too. I think it will be fair for fans to be disgruntled with that. I think it'll be. And again, I want to, I want to speak on yet again the point I made yesterday in the clip I posted last night. I'm not sitting here telling you that going six and six every year should be the goal, and that you should be thrilled with that result. But to the point Coleman Hall made earlier, let's go back to that about recruiting. Yeah, we're recruiting top 25 classes. But look at, like, where the class right now that we have that's 15th in the country sits. Isn't it still, like, 7th in the SEC? 8th? Like, everybody else in the SEC is recruiting well also. Even Vandy's recruiting better than they ever have. So, like... Call from... Brian Bennett. Here we go. Brian, what's up, man? How are you? What's going on, Chris? I got a question. That, um, I don't know if anybody ever addressed or asked, really, but do you think that Spencer and Shaq got a good relationship? Because if you listen to interviews of post-game, they're always going to Chris face saying something like, yeah, Shaq says that you like make some of the bonehead plays and make some of the biggest mistakes out of everybody, and you got to end up fixing them and stuff like that, but you say accountability. And Spencer right off said, well, that's that he's a funny guy. Like, do you think that's a lot of, from discourse with the two? I mean, it's it's really hard to speak on it not being in the building, right? I, I feel like I'd be just kind of giving you a best guess at best. Um, I can tell you this, though. Anybody who's ever been in a locker room or been on a team can tell you, you don't like everybody you work with. You don't like everybody you play yeah. with. You don't like everybody that coaches you. So, at the end of the day, man, it don't really matter whether Rattler and Satterfield like each other. The job that the, their 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 goal is common, their jobs do not change. You know what I mean? So, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I can't really say, but uh, 
it doesn't really matter. That's that like that wouldn't be a good excuse. Well, I mean, we're not playing well because I don't like Sat. It's like, well, I don't give a yeah. damn who you like. Yeah, I, I don't. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't put on like not playing well. I'm just you know it's like the chemistry wise and stuff because you know yeah you know I mean, that made a bold comment. You know a bold comment saying when it came in. You know we both got something to prove and stuff like that. You know and you know we we got to you know to talk like that. You know just you know Spencer. You know he always says that he's better in tempo, but you know. A, a drive get going and when tempo and all of a sudden it stops and stalls you know with other play calling so I'm trying to figure there's some chemistry issue going on a little bit and I'm not saying because Spiller has not played as great as we expect him to but it could be something there a little bit yeah yeah I mean and for sure listen there there could be chemistry issues no doubt you're, you're, you're on to something so I I uh yeah I don't know it's it's just tough to tell from the outside but you know we've you know, we, we've heard it from, from others, too. The Josh Van clip that was so damning a couple of weeks ago. And, I, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think we all agree and we all tend to think that South Carolina needs to make a change at OC after the season. I, I think that's probably still yeah. what needs to happen. Um, even with the success against yeah. Kentucky, whatever second half. But I think when the dust settles at the end of the year, we'll still look at this thing and say, okay, we need to make a change. Yeah, no doubt. I, I just I – just it's just, it's just, it just seems a lot of things seem to be forced and not fluid a little bit. Like I just, like I look at Alabama, they change according to this every other year, and the offense seen a flow. Cause Saban got a, a system going, and I just think that it, it shouldn't be as hard at this juncture. Like with skill players, we got to be a little more fluid on offense and stuff like that. You know, right? Just, uh, yeah. Uh, appreciate it. That's all. Yeah, man. Appreciate the call. Thanks so much. All right. Great stuff. Great stuff. Guys, we are getting J.C. Sherbert on the show here in about five minutes or so. We'll just roll through. No, no break here. Um, Doc Graybert, it matters. These are still young people. Life experience isn't there yet for them to realize if you aren't liked, so what? Doc, I don't know that I really comprehend what you're saying, but I, I will reinforce what I said. I mean, listen, I'll tell you this. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever really gone on record and talked about it, but my days at Newberry – like, I, let me just put it to you this way. I've been on teams where I didn't like the guys I played with. I didn't get along with the guys I played with. My my group at Newberry was a very interesting one, to say the least. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we – we not everybody was a – not everybody was a fan of everybody. That's putting it lightly. Here we go. Paul, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's up? Hey, man, so I was just wondering, so I was watching some, like, clips of, like, 2010 to 2013, and who in, in the recruiting that's coming up or guys on our team right now that might not be doing anything on the defensive line, who do you think could be a real, real good playmaker in the next two to three seasons? And then another thing I was wondering is, Jody didn't take a uh, red shirt this year, so do you think if Rattler comes back next year, what are, what are they going to do with that? They're going to they're going to start Rattler. They're going to have a competition, or you think Doty will transfer? So I feel like he's the next guy, and there's going to be a little bit of an issue with that next season. Well, Doty can technically still take a red shirt because he's only played in four games. If he plays in one more, the red shirt gets burned. That's why I said last week that if I was Luke Doty, I mean I you can call this selfish, you can say whatever you want, but if I'm Luke Doty, I'm telling the coaching staff, hey, if there's a real opportunity for me to play meaningful snaps, I'm, I'm game. I want to help this football team any, any way I can, but I also got to look out for me. I got to take care of my chicken. You know what I mean? Like, I got to take care of my business, my future. I'm not going to burn a red shirt a year of eligibility to play garbage time snaps. 
So I think if Rattler comes back, if Rattler comes back, I'd be shocked to see Luke Doty in a Gamecock uniform next year. I'd be shocked. And I know, I know the kids all Gamecock and I could be totally wrong. Right. I listen, I said the same thing about to carry on Joiner multiple times. I I really thought that he was going to, I I thought he would have transferred at some point. You never know why guys make certain decisions. And Hey, I, you know, I'd love to see him to be a Gamecock. And you know, I'm a, I'm a big Luke Doty guy, big fan of Luke Doty, but I think he also wants to play. Um, So I think if, if Rattler comes back, I, realistically man you'd love to say it's an open competition and i know it is a competition to a degree but spencer rattler i let me put it to you this way if rattler were to get beaten out he's transferring somebody's gonna transfer you know what i mean spencer yeah. rattler's goal is yeah, to yeah. get to the league you know what i mean so yeah um and on the defensive line front man i mean i think tj sanders and nick barrett are two of the younger guys that they're really high on that you're talking about over the next couple of years could be playmakers uh, I like Gilbert Edmond on the edge. I know he's not necessarily a young guy, but uh, Tonka Hemingway, I think, will be a big-time player for us next year. Whenever Alex Huntley gets back, he'll be a big-time player for us next year because he'll be back. So, um, And then obviously, they're recruiting some big-time guys up front. I don't have all their names in front of me, but uh, they're recruiting some big-time guys in this cycle, in this class. So um, I think Shane Bieber understands you got to build the build the football team from the inside out. I think he understands that you got you got to build up front of the line of scrimmage and go from there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, back, back to the quarterback thing, man. Yeah, I, I think that – you know, some people didn't like that. Oh, you're, you're selfish. You're you first. Well, bro, it's a business. And at some point, you do got to think about you, you know, because you as a fan, yeah. like, that's all great and everything. I mean, but that player, that individual player, I won't blame a player for putting themselves first. I just – I won't. So, yeah. Thinking like Doty, like you said, he's such a South Carolina guy, and I feel like that's what the program's been missing from the coach perspective. And also, and like when he, when we had Connor Shaw, right? Like Connor Shaw wasn't he wasn't going to be an NFL prospect. He wasn't going to be some six four guy, you know. But he was like a gamecock man. Like he loved that, you know. And I don't know if Rattler has that thing. I mean, obviously he's trying to get this league, so he's out there, he's doing his thing. But um, yeah, I just like to see Luke Doty get his shot, but. I don't know. I mean, the coaches know what they're doing. They've seen more than we have. So, but I think Rattler needs to finish strong or he, he might have to come back just to prove himself to even get any value in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if the season continues and Rattler's stats are pedestrian, I mean, I think he'll have a decision to make and it'll kind of come down to what, what his draft grade is. But yeah, if the stats are pedestrian, I, I, I think that uh, I would not be surprised at all to see him return. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for all your support, man. Appreciate what you're doing. Love your show. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for the call. Really good stuff. Uh, that being said, guys, hey, let's go ahead and get him in here. We're going to talk with J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks of the Big Spur. And, J.C., I appreciate you taking the time. I know, obviously, you said you got to run at 1.30, so we'll, we'll dive into <laughs> it. That kind of works. So we don't have a game to talk about this weekend, so we can really just focus on the Kentucky stuff. But first things first, man, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me on your airwaves. And, uh, again, thanks so much for doing this. It's always a lot of fun and, and good stuff, good content, good discussion each and every week, man. So glad to be here again uh, this week after after a big win for the Gamecocks. Yeah, absolutely. JC, I, I mentioned this morning, but dude, you nailed it, man. You nailed it with your score prediction, and obviously you were in Lexington. Uh, did the game go about as you expected in regards to South Carolina's, uh, I would say, domination up front of the line of scrimmage. Uh, again, I, I know you were extremely confident going in that game, especially when we talked last week, the 
the rumblings were really picking up that Will Levis was not going to play. Indeed, he didn't. Obviously, that affected Kentucky. But your overall thoughts on the game, because like I said, I mean, you nailed the score prediction. So would you say that game went about as you expected? Yeah, I, I thought Carolina would get enough offense. Or, or I guess I, I guess the, the, the verbiage I used was um, I there's no excuse for them not to get enough offense to win the game. Um, I, I also – it wasn't just Levis – uh, Chris, to me, you know, Kentucky the whole year has not been the Kentucky up front on offense we're used to seeing. Now, uh, I'll say this, in, in a few years, they're going to be really good again because they have some big, uh, talented young guys. But, you know, three offensive line coaches in three years, including Eric Wolford last year, kind of left like a thief in the night for Alabama. Um, a lot of youth, some injuries up front. Um, and when you watch them, uh, watch them during the season before they played Carolina, they just, they didn't protect as well. They didn't open holes as well as they once did. They were only averaging, I think, 110 yards a game on the ground. Uh, that was without Rodriguez. Obviously he's a special player and Carolina bottled him up pretty good in the second half. And, and I just felt like that when you look at this D line at South Carolina, there is talent there. Obviously they're missing some depth. Uh, but when you look at Arkansas's offensive line, which I thought was elite when they played Carolina, and then Georgia's offensive line, Kentucky's didn't really compare. Uh, and you always hear this uh, phrase out there, let them eat, when you're talking about the defensive line. Um, so I felt like Carolina's D-line would eat uh, on Saturday night. Levis not being out there made it a little bit, I don't want to say easier, but uh, uh, you know, the, the young guy really didn't make his quick decisions and wasn't able to hurt Carolina with his feet like Levis maybe would have been able to. Um, so all in all, yeah, that uh, that matchup, Carolina's de defensive front versus their offensive line, uh, to me, was a big advantage for the Gamecocks. And, you know, it, it, in the stands, it sort of uh, seemed like Gamecock football again. You, you know, there's been many times when this program has been successful through the years where Carolina's brought a really good defense or a defense that could dominate a game uh, on the road and won. And uh, that's exactly what happened. Uh, on Saturday night in Lexington. I mean, shoot, one score and drive uh, at the end of the half and then a garbage touchdown. You know, you take that uh, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So, you know, hey, look, I haven't been right about a whole lot this year, right? I've, my picks uh, I, I, on the J.C. and Morgan podcast, I think I'm 5-15 and 15 against the spread this season. Uh, things have just not gone well uh, for me prediction-wise, but uh, sure, I'm glad I ended up uh, nailing that one uh, the other night. Yeah, J.C., like you mentioned, defense travels in the SEC, and the Gamecocks had a lot of guys up front that were active, the creatures, as Jimmy Lindsey calls them. Uh, I know we talked this morning, but Zach Pickens, Jordan Birch, Tonka Hemingway with a huge night. Just talk about what you saw from that Gamecocks defensive front and, uh, you know, what encourages you, I guess, from that performance going to the rest of the season. Well, I mean, I think Pickens has been playing well pretty much all year. You know, he uh, he's one guy, though. I mean, you have to have – your other your ends and your buck or, or whatever they call it now, and then uh, your other tackle kind of step up. I think Taka Hemingway's emergence uh, really the last couple of weeks has been huge. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll get a D lineman like that, and then they'll get a chance to do something on special teams like Tonka did, and it'll kind of change their whole outlook, right, because they did something special. And, uh, you know, he's been playing really well. I mean, he's the guy that we – looked at what in 2020 when he was playing end and said, that guy's got a bright future. Uh, I think it took him a year, you know, to adjust to moving inside. 
Uh, he's put he put on the weight last year, but I, I think that sometimes, uh, and I think you can say this about Pickens too because he was an end in high school. It takes those guys that slide inside some, some adjustment. Travian Robertson was a guy like that. You know, he started at defensive end his first game as a true freshman in 07. And by the time 09 got there, he's playing inside 300-something pounds and was pretty doggone good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think sometimes there's a transition period and you see Tonka kind of coming into his own. Uh, well, now you're going to get Boogie, Boogie Huntley back, um, and, and that gives you more depth and, and another creature on the inside. Um, and I think Gilbert Edmond and Jordan Birch have really stepped up, Chris. I, I, I You know, Gilbert Edmond is a guy we, you and I have talked about a bunch, uh, and, and I think he's kind of, dare I say, starting to come into his own as a pass rusher. Uh, you know, and, and Birch, you know, uh, even with the – the big, big expectations, uh, slowly but surely, dare I say, he's getting there. You know, he had a play the other night where he ran down the quarterback. You know, that's why you recruit Jordan Birch, because <laughs> he can do that. You know, not every defensive end in the country can come from the, the backside of the play and run a guy down like that, and he did. I, you know, I think we saw flashes of that as a freshman down at Florida when he made a couple of plays like that. But he uh, he's starting to play well. So, you know, I, I think all in all, you know, Carolina had an advantage there, and and they it, it's not always the case when you have an advantage that you exploit it. Uh, but the Gamecocks certainly did the other night. I thought a very uh, young secondary and thin secondary also uh, played a great game. Getting David Spalding back was huge, Chris. I thought, you know, the, people were like, why would you take this kid from Georgia Southern that redshirted one year and only played five games the next? Well, I'll tell you why. It's it's because of his length and athleticism and his upside. Uh, he had some good moments last year. He's been hurt most of the year this year. I think his length really came out uh, against the Wildcats. You know, two huge plays, or, or really one huge play. The other one kind of salted the game away. But uh, you look, those long arms getting in that pitch lane to deflect the pass, cause the fumble that Tonka picked up and, and nearly scored on. Uh, and then the pick at the end, you saw like a glove. He just went up in the air and got it. Now, somebody compared him to Antonio Allen the other day. They're similarly built, uh, you know, with that that length and wingspan and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think having David Spalding back and healthy and playing uh, is very big for this secondary. And then they're going to get more guys like uh, I think Devontae Reed will be back next week. I think R.J. Roderick will be back next week. Uh, and that gives them more depth uh, for now, uh, even though, you know, D.Q. Smith led the team in tackles and then Warren continues to play really good. Um, their young guys are really playing beyond their years, uh, but the depth getting back, I think, is only going to help this defense moving forward. Now, winning cures all, JC, right? So that that is the focus, but certainly you leave that game, and if you look at it from a critical eye, there's still a lot left to be desired on the offensive side. I know we talked about it this morning. Offensive line improvement, I think, is really the, the, the shining bright spot as we sit at the halfway point of the season that you feel good about that, hey, this offensive line like we talked about is – is starting to really gel, right? Really starting to play as a unit, and and maybe that's something that we'll see continue to improve in the second half. But uh, first half was pretty brutal. <laughs> Ninety total yards, kind of more the same of what we've seen to this point. Second half, you make the adjustments, uh, look like a completely different offense, or maybe just the execution was just that much better. Just talk about what you saw from the offense from the first half to the second half, and what did the Gamecocks do in the second half 
that you particularly like? The first half was very slow and methodical. And, and, you know, in, in person, and this is the first time I've been to in person, this year, you don't really – you get a better sense of it because you're sitting there, playcocks running, 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 shuffling people in and out. The other sidelines watching everything you do, they're shuffling people in and out. Um, very slow, uh, I thought. Now, South Carolina is not a big tempo team uh, right now. They, they've used it from time to time. Uh, but in the second half – you know, it's not like they ran a bunch of quote-unquote tempo, but they played at a brisker pace. They got lined up. They called the play. They attacked. Um, and, and I thought that was a big difference. I, I thought the second half, the play calling um, not only was solid, uh, I thought it made a difference. You know, the crossing pattern to Jalen Brooks was a beautiful play call. Uh, <clears throat> really, Kentucky was fooled on that one, fooled on the reverse. Um, you know, I, I even thought at the end of the first half, the interception Spencer threw – to Stogner was a really good play call. You look at what Austin Stogner did at Oklahoma, getting him in those one-on-one situations down the field. I mean, that's money. Uh, a better throw. I mean, Spencer threw it short and, and low. He needs to throw it uh, and lead him and throw it high. Uh, but that'll come, uh, you know, if they can continue to get Austin Stogner in those situations, that could be something that comes out later. But uh, all in all, the second half, you know, sticking with the ground game, Marshawn Lloyd, you know, was very was special the whole night. Uh, played very, very well. Um, you know, I, I think even guys like Amari and Brown and Josh Van that maybe didn't show up as much in the stat column, you know, uh, made some key uh, plays at some moments. Jaheim Bell as well. Um, you know, and I think some unsung heroes are out there helping this run game go, like Wyatt Campbell and Nate Atkins. Uh, those two kind of tight end blocker-ish guys uh, really, I think, have helped this offensive line. Um, you know, and then, you know, I tackled Dylan Wanham and then the the platoon of, of Jalen Nichols and Ja'Kai Moore, I thought had a really good game. And then, of course, Jovan Gwynn won SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. So if these guys can continue to get better, um, I, I do think that uh, this offense will, will have a chance. You know, there's things that have to happen, uh, obviously, with uh, the way it's executed, the way it's called. Um, obviously, I, I think that uh, Spencer Rattler – at times sees pressure that's not there or feels it that's not there. I think he's seeing it rather than feeling it uh, and bailing on plays too early. Of course, sometimes guys aren't open. But, um, you know, I, I think that's something he's going to have to work on uh, in order to have a big second half. But all in all, you know, there was a, a there were a lot of bright spots in the second half in Lexington. Thoughts on the uh, the postgame antics from Shane Beamer? Because, again, we, we talked about it this morning. But uh, the culture, climate comments from over the summer – they played a huge role in this game. And that was probably my overall takeaway, JC. My favorite thing I saw from Saturday night, uh, outside of the obvious, the scoreboard, the execution, but the tenacity with which this team played, it felt like, the the, the edge, right? And I think a lot of that came from, obviously, the, the comments over the summer. And uh, it was very evident in the post game that Shane Beamer and company took that very personally. Yeah, yeah. I, I And I like that. You know, I, I think that sometimes, you know, it can be overkill, I guess, and, and things like that. But, look, when, when you're trying to kind of get a program headed in the right direction and get people to believe and rally behind you, you know, the fans love to see it, especially when you win. When you lose, not so much. But when you win, you know, the, uh, there's no better coach than Shane Beamer uh, after a win uh, because he's going to be positive anyway, you know. And I, and I think 
that the fans really uh, dig into that positivity. And, you know, what? I, no matter what Mark Stoops' intention was when he said it, the timing of it, uh, you know, I mean, come on, man. You know, um, why take a shot at the Gamecocks? And, and, and I found over the years, sometimes when, when coaches uh, take shots like that, uh, you know, and have chips on their shoulder, uh, you know, not all the time, but sometimes they end up losing, um, you know, and, and, and then have egg on their face. So I, I think that, you know, justice was served, <laughs> so to speak, uh, in Lexington after all the comments. And it's been a real frustrating time against Kentucky if you're Carolina. And now, yeah, you look at it, you're two and two uh, in the last four. And, uh, you know, this is the best – uh, stretch of Kentucky football probably since Bear Bryant. So uh, you got to feel good about that because Carolina's been a program in transition uh, during those four years. JC, I appreciate the time. Before I get you out of here, man, we sit at the halfway point of this season, which it's uh, the, the way it fell this year. You know, it's really nice. Six games in, bye week, and then you got six more to go. So oh, truly yeah. at the halfway point. So this is a great time for reflection, and we'll do that. Obviously, I think I told you on the Monday podcast, I'll do the whole midseason recap, look ahead, all that good stuff, report card. When you look at the first half, while it may not have a lot of the times look the way that we thought it would or hoped it would, the bottom line is this. You're four and two, and I think most everyone with reasonable expectations coming in would have taken that. You're just condensed overall thoughts in the first half. If you if you wanted to give it a grade, how, how would you grade the first half? Just just overall thoughts as we reflect on the first half and gear up for a very important next six games. I'd give it about a C plus B minus. Uh, you know, in in record wise, you know, you'd probably go a little higher than that because at the beginning of the year, you know, you say four and two. Well, shoot, that means you're going to beat Arkansas, Georgia, or Kentucky, and two of those games are on the road. Kentucky's owned you. Arkansas was an off-season darling in Georgia's Georgia. So, you know, you take that, right? Um, but but, but I think, you know, there, there have been some ugly moments, like Shane Beamer said. It's not always been pretty. Um, but the way this team competes, the way they've not given up, the way they've hung in there, uh, the special teams uh, is, is dynamite right now. Uh, it looks like the defense is coming on, and the offense had probably their best half uh, against a top – uh, I believe a top 20 defense. I think Kentucky's 20th in total defense in the country. So, uh, you know, they, they put 17 on the board, man. You know, that's good. Uh, yeah, I think it's coming on. So, you know, we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. But uh, all in all, you have to be satisfied with it. And then looking ahead, uh, you know, there's about seven teams in the SEC, Kentucky, Auburn, South Carolina, LSU, Florida, Missouri, Texas A&M. They're all very similar at this point. Auburn's probably at the bottom end of it, uh, but they've all kind of—they're all kind of teams that'll play close games, hang in the balance, um, and you have to—you have to believe that the Gamecocks now, uh, with this win and with the improvement and a three-game win streak, will be in position to have the confidence uh, to take their share of these games moving forward. JC, again, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Always a pleasure. Obviously, going to be really fun next week, and we're talking about a pivotal home game under the lights at williams Bryce stadium when the gamecocks take on texas a&m again we'll dive into that more next thursday he's on every thursday at 115 until and of course check out jc and phil inside the gamecocks 11 to 1 right monday through friday you guys can catch their show jc i appreciate you taking the time man always a pleasure we'll talk next week thanks sorry i got to get out early but we'll be back for the full time next week oh for sure appreciate you man thanks so much
Again, J.C. Sherbert with some stuff to handle, but I thought a very great segment there, and I always appreciate J.C. taking the time. Uh, so he says C plus, B minus. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. You guys will know my grade next week, but uh, I think that's a very fair grade for the first half of the season. Guys, we are going to jump into a break. It'll be the final break of the day, though. More of your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls. 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Guys, uh, we will take no more breaks today. Next uh, 20 minutes or so, your questions, comments, and calls. We'd love to hear from you all. Uh, Lady Bree is active in the chat. Says, you don't attract the four and five stars of a system that's not going to win championships. If y'all just want winning seasons and you're going to beat Clemson more often than sure. Lady Bree says, point being, Spencer and Reno had a conversation about the system, and Reno still wants to come, but everybody twisted his words to suit their argument to fire set. I would ask you the question, Lady Bree. It sounds like you are a Marcus Satterfield defender, a Marcus Satterfield stand. That's what it sounds like. And I tell you this, Lady Bree, whether you think that scheme and that system is, is the greatest you've ever seen, whether you think Marcus Satterfield's reincarnated Steve Spurrier, if this offense finishes, I don't know, what is it right now? Somebody said 77th. If this offense finishes 77th total offense, I don't give a damn what you think. Marcus Satterfield needs to go. So, you know, I, I, I don't care who the OC is. I, I've said that many times. I don't care who the OC is, the quarterback, the head coach. We just want results. So, you know. And Lady Bree, I did not watch your video. Believe it or not, I'm busy as hell. I don't have a whole lot of time to watch a whole lot of videos. I, I will, I will get on it. Um, but uh, anyways, I, I don't have any personal vendetta against Fire or Marcus Satterfield. I, I just, you know, interesting, interesting. I, you know, the, the stats are what they are. You know what I mean? This is this is a statistics driven game. So if the offense finishes 75th in the country. I just I, – I don't – there's not going to be a whole lot of defense, you know what I mean, for for uh, for Sat's return. Um, so, my guy Chase in the TDC Questions channel – Chase, my bad. So, whenever I have JC on or a guest on, I actually minimize the Big Cock Club Discord. Um, but I did ask JC via text right after he got off about uh, did he feel like maybe there was a different voice – in the second half, calling plays, giving input even. He said, I saw Kitchens in the huddle more in the second half through the binoculars. He was coaching a lot while Sat was off to the side. Haven't been in any other games to know if that is normal or not. So, who knows? Run with that rumor. Go crazy with it if you want. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you would li – listen – you would hope that they're using a guy like Freddie Kitchens. If they're not going to take his input, what's the point of having him on the staff? I mean, I kind of feel like it's one of those, like, well, no, duh, they should get his input. He's he's on staff to give input, is he not? I mean, if you're not going to take his input, don't even have him on staff. So, I, I, think, it's un, I, I think it's going too far. 
I think it's going too far to say that somebody else was calling the plays. But maybe they were taking Freddie Kitchens' input more into consideration in the second half. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I, I know that every almost every team dislikes their offensive coordinator. Everybody thinks they can do a better job. I, I would just say, with all the pieces you added, again, guys, I, I think it's going to be pretty clear when the dust settles at the end of the season. I think it'll be pretty clear whether Marcus Satterfield should return or should not return. And yeah, Doc Grabier, there, there's no way Shane, no. I, and listen, Shane Beamer doesn't owe it to us to tell us. He, he doesn't. That's something, you, you just keep it internal. That's something, just keep internal. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm sure if he asks, he's going to say, listen, Marcus Satterfield's our offensive coordinator. That's, that's it. I mean, you know what I mean? So, and, and that's, there's no, that's why I didn't ask. Um, That's why I didn't ask JC the question, because we had limited time, and I was like, I'd rather ask him something that we actually saw in the game or we know happened versus um, Lady Breeze. Stats are meaningless until the end of the year once everyone has played. Everyone analytics work much different in MLB where you have 160 games. Yeah, I mean, Lady Breeze, again, I, I, my prediction is I think end of year when the dust settles, it will be evident that it is the correct decision to uh, to move on. Uh, my apologies, Chuck McIntosh. I totally forgot. I did close up the phone lines after J.C. Sherbert. Here we go. Phone lines are now open. I apologize for that. Thank you for saying something. 843-790-3377. You're more than welcome to call in. The phone lines are now open. The phone lines are now open. Um, let's see. In the meantime, we'll get in. Craig Godwin, this system doesn't win championships when you lose three to six or three and six because they can't pick it up. Cody Branch, do you think Bryce Young plays Saturday or do you think it's Bama's backup? I think Bama's probably going to go with their backup. I, I don't know, though. I mean, I'm not not, not to the A&M program. Let's jump to the phone lines. Robbie, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I am doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? Uh, I just wanted to say that at, at the end of the day, yes, there are going to be people that are going to want Satterfield to either get fired or be retained. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter about what we want, okay? Because Beamer, at the end of the day, is going to make the best decision possible. And I do believe that the writing is on the wall and Satterfield will be let go at the end of the season. Bowl game or no bowl game, he'll be let go at the end of the season. I mean, I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, if I had to make a prediction right now, I would probably say the same thing. I, I would say the same thing, no doubt. No doubt. I think, uh, you know, I, I think the win over Kentucky is great. And, and I'm, I've been positive all week, yeah. obviously. And I think you should. I think you should celebrate the W. But, again, I think, you know, you look look at that win through a critical eye. And, yeah, I think we still have issues offensively. I think we'll probably still sputter at times. 
in the second half. I think mm-hmm. Sputter's putting it kindly. That that's a you know that's a great way. If I had to pick one word to describe our offense, sputter is a good one. Sputter, <laughs> like like describe this offense in one word. Sputter, we we, we sputter. Dilly dally is probably like, another. It's like, it's like, dilly dally is probably another good one. We we dilly dally around. Like <laughs> those are good adjectives to describe the offense. Yeah, and we'll probably do that the rest of the year. Confident in saying that. Okay, that right there literally made my day. Holy crap, that made my day right there. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we dilly-dally and we sputter. I think those that's a great way to put it. <laughs> <We are. laughs> I've never heard you use either one of those two words, and that right there made my day. Well, I'm glad I could do that, Robbie. I'm, I'm glad I could do that for you. <laughs> But and 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 I don't care, right? How like Satterfield can say this till he's blue in the face like a Smurf that the offense that we're running is very complex. How complex can it be? You're running freaking routes for God's sake. There's only so many routes you can run without without the possibility of running out of bounds, okay? So how complex can this really be? A receiver's job is simple. You either block or you catch the football. Same with a running back. You either get handed the ball or you or, or the or the or the quarterback throws the ball to you and you run with the football. There's only so many options. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the biggest complaints, man, is the uh, complexities of the offense. So, I mean, listen, I, that's the thing about my show. I, I don't come on here pretending to be some god of football, like I'm some X's and O's, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know the game, but I, I'm not I'm not sitting here watching. I'm not doing film study 24-7, 365. But mm-hmm. I can tell you when an offense looks like shit. I mean, I, I mean. Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and I mean, when you're watching on a weekend, week out basis, and you know, you hear Dante Reno talking about it, you hear uh, the announcers on SEC Network talking about how complex the offense is. Satterfield himself has said it. I don't know. I'm just kind of going off of what I'm seeing and hearing, and I'm just a reflection of what uh, sort of the the common narrative is. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't give a damn if the offense is easy. It's, it's just not being executed at the level that we'd like to see. You know? So, again, I, I, don't, I, I don't have I, to be I'll a chef it. to tell you if the food tastes like shit. I don't have to be a master chef. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and I will say this, right? Same, this goes with, like, any sport, Okay especially football, okay? People show up to the games for the offense, right? To watch the offense do its thing, take care of business, and they know that the defense is supposed to do their job, right? The defense's job, stop the opponent. The offense's job, score points and look good doing it, and they have not been really doing that at all this year. Now, our defense has played – 
honestly, last, especially against Kentucky, we played better than I thought we were going to play, okay, on the defensive side of the ball. Because I thought to myself, if Rodriguez gets it going, we're screwed. And I told you during the week, if we can somehow contain Rodriguez and make that freshman sit in the pocket or make him run if he's not comfortable with running, we will have a chance at beating Kentucky, and that's that's literally what happened. We bottled up Rodriguez, didn't really give him a lot of big runs, and took care of business and got to the quarterback often and rattled him a little bit and daggum beat Kentucky for the first time in forever. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's uh, certainly from that Kentucky game. I, mean, I, I think that's – when I take away, like, my top positive, it is the way that our defensive line played and stopping the run, slowing down the run. Yeah. Um, because that's just something we hadn't really seen us do to this point. So, uh, you know, if you can carry that, you know, if you can carry that defense, you got a great shot. You know, if you can slow down the run game, again, we, we just yeah. – we've talked about it so much. Why can we not stop the run? You know, if you can stop the run the way you did against Kentucky, you're, you're going to have, and it's it's going to get tougher, no doubt. But I mean, yeah. you you got a really great chance to have success. So, and I think you're going to need it. Yeah. Listen, I I don't, you know, I I'm really hoping that this this offensive unit can bottle up whatever they did in the second half. Whether it be there were some play call adjustments, whether it be uh, the way they played was more brisk, as JC pointed out, whether the execution was just that much better. Um, you, you hope they can mm-hmm. bottle that up and, and carry that to the rest of the way. I, I tend to think, again, this is still going to be an offense that sputters, that dilly-dallies around, and we're going to need the defense to, you know, I don't see us winning yeah. a lot of 41 to 38 kind of games. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to have to win no. sort of the way we did against Kentucky where, you know, defensively we got to be able to hold our own, um, have a standout night, and just just kind of hope our offense can do enough. I'm not saying I'm not saying we're – we're not going to have a good game offensively the rest of the year. I'm just saying that, uh, like I look at Texas A&M, right. I don't think we're going out there and going to beat them 38 to 35. Like we need to, we need to play in a lower scoring um, type of game. Right. And, you know, just hope the offense can do enough. Um, you know, to hold up. If we wind up having to play catch up against against A&M, then that's going to be a problem. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, and we, we, you know, what's unfortunate though is we've just shown we've just shown nothing that uh, you know, my buddy right. Marler, Chris Marler, was talking about it. Obviously, that you know, oh, well, you know, A and M gets off to slow starts, like bro. So do we, painfully slow. Pain, and I, and I know we got off to a a hot start against Kentucky, but I mean that was, you know, kind of a gift that fell in our lap. And outside of that, you did nothing. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I don't, and I don't know that there's a solution for it. I, I really don't which is crazy, and you talk about Marcus Satterfield, that, like, you you would really feel like that first drive should be your best one. I mean, it's your best plays. You got it scripted. Everybody's on the same page, and I don't know, man. Your just, first just... drive needs to set the tone for the remainder of the game. It needs to show your opponent, like, we're not messing around here. We're going to freaking move the ball on you, whether you want us to or not, come Hades or high water. Okay, we're going to move the football. We're going to figure out ways to move the football. And if you stop one thing, we're going to figure out another way to move the football. It's that simple. Because we're going to have times where we're going to have to pass the football. 
and we're going to have times where we're going to need to run the football. But if we can figure out a way to do both to the point to where they have no idea what the heck we're doing, that's a good thing. That would indeed be a good thing. And yep. with the way Marshawn Lloyd has been running the football, I say keep feeding him till some till he proves till till the team proves otherwise that they could stop him. Because right now he is absolutely just running in a in, running how we expected him to be his freshman year. Even though yes, he was hurt, but he is playing very very well and running very well, reading blocks very well, and looking like the Marshawn Lloyd that we expected him to be, at least at the midway point. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, I, that, that was the best I've ever seen Marshawn look in that last game against Kentucky. So, yeah, I, I think he needs to be the focal point of the offense. Um, it all needs to run through him. Um yeah, I mean, he, he looks incredible. So, I, I'd say more Marshawn Lloyd, yeah. feed Marshawn on a week-in, week-out basis. Robbie, always a pleasure, my guy. Appreciate you calling in. Uh, All right, will, buddy. You have a good one. Have soon. a great weekend. Yeah, man. You too. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Robbie Davis. Uh, guys, we got about seven minutes. Taking your questions, comments, calls. Let's keep it rolling. 843-790-3377. And I'll just say this, by the way, because I see folks continuing on. You know, who, who – uh, you know, who says the offense is, is is complex? Again, we're not just making this up out of thin air. I mean, I've heard, I've heard Satterfield say it. I've heard Rattler say it. People have said it. Here we go. Chuck, what's up, man? How are you? People have said it. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? What's going on? Good, good. I just – I got a question. Oh, or basically a statement. Uh, today, yesterday, and you said it last week as well, that you didn't feel like Rattler would ever be benched. And I don't understand that comment. If you go back to the Spurrier days, you know, he benched Blake Mitchell, who he said was one of the most accurate quarterbacks he had ever coached for a wide receiver, Savelle Newton, who had played high school quarterback. And it was a, a great change because we weren't able to block up front. If you go back to when he was at Florida, he had a quarterback, I can't remember his name, Shane something, that he benched for Danny Werfel, who was one of the top-rated quarterbacks in the country. And then you go back to Garcia and Connor Shaw. Mm. He did the same thing. Now, I'm not saying that I want Rattler bench. What I'm saying is Rattler's not playing up to the level that we expected. Mm. And if he was playing at that level, with the running game that we have, then, yes, we should win the next four football games. I truly believe that. Before the season started, you said that our defense would probably keep us in every single game. Our defense steps up, and we're throwing the ball like we should. Then I don't see why we can't win those football games. Now, if all we're going to do is throw swing passes and screens and this and that, then I say put in a running quarterback. I don't know who it is, but you put somebody in there that can move the ball down the field, make their safeties come up, get you some one-on-ones, and hit them. You got Marshawn Lloyd, you got CBS, you put a running quarterback back there. Maybe that's what we should be doing. I mean, I, I don't think you're totally off base there with, with in regards to what we've seen uh, from Sats offense, you know, and what they want to do. I, I think my, my comment more so, number one, Shane Beamer is not Steve Spurrier. 
Uh, so there aren't many coaches that can get away with changing out quarterbacks the way he did or that would have the guts in the first place to do it the way he did. But the other thing is, I mean, they asked Beamer after the Kentucky game about, did you even consider changing QBs? And Beamer said, absolutely not. So I, I just, as a prediction, I, I don't think they're going to bench Rattler. Like, I, I think they brought him in there, in here, to be the starting quarterback. I, I just, I think I he'd have to play so I, I, poorly. I, I just don't see it happen. Like, I don't think Rattler's going to play that poorly. He might not be great, but well, and, I don't know. It surprised I, I me. He goes back to the, the, the interception Saturday to mm-hmm. Stogner. You know, if he throws that ball correctly, that's a touchdown. Stogner catches it in, in stride instead of having to stop and make a jump ball that he loses. You know, it's it's like – I just – I don't understand. If you're struggling at the quarterback position – I mean, I remember the first game Garcia played in when he got tackled by an LSU – I mean, by the referee. Mm-hmm. You know, because we – I mean, I think Spurrier played three quarterbacks that day because he was just trying to get somebody who could spark something. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think when you just ride it out and you're just going to live or die by this one man, that's not a very good coaching decision in my opinion. Sometimes you have to go out there and take a risk. Maybe somebody lights a fire under that offense and gets it moving. You figured the touchdown pass he threw this past week was a screen pass. Yeah. That one wasn't even thrown down the field. Yeah. I mean, it was just. I mean, again, to your point, you make know. a you make a great point. I'm sure you heard me say this. I believe last week that, you know, my scorching hot take, if you will, was that if that's going to be the offense, like you mentioned, screen, you know, screen swing passes and trying to be dynamic in the run game. Yeah, I could argue Luke Doty or Dak Joyner is a better fit for the offense than Spencer Rattler is. I mean, no doubt. So. But I, I just again, I, I'm not, I'm not giving that projection that Rattler won't be benched because I, it's just a prediction. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I told you, I just want to win yeah. games. I don't care who's a QB, but I just, I, well, I find it hard to believe that they brought Rattler in here. That they, they, I don't want to say they sold out to get him from Oklahoma. I understand the story that Stogner's the one that got him here, but you think Carolina didn't try to get him here? They didn't throw him some sort of nil bag? I can guarantee you they did. Um, so you I know, wanted him as bad as everybody else. Right, did. right, right. So I mean, I, I just you know? I'd be because I think here's what I think happens too. You have to think about this too. You bench Rattler. Your hope is that your hope is that in benching him, a guy like Doty, Joiner, Davis, whoever's going to come in, they're going to play better than he was playing, which would mean that Rattler's not going to see the field again. Well, Rattler's out. Yeah. Rattler's transferring. He ain't coming back. You see what I'm saying? So it's just, it's yeah. just a thing where if you make that decision, you you better you better be sure. You better yeah, be sure. I agree. I just I agree. You know. I, I I'm like you though. I just I want to win, and you know I seen a post that uh, Savelle Newton put on there the other day that said this offense has got so much talent, hmm. all the way across the board on wide receivers and running backs, and and the only thing I see where we're struggling is truly at quarterback and some on the offensive line, but the offensive line has played a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you throw eight picks and I know they're not all on you, but when you throw eight and you have the lowest Q, QBR in the SEC, something's wrong. Yeah. And maybe it is on center field. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, you, know? You, you make great points. I mean, Spencer Rattler needs to play better. There is no question. There's no question. 
All right. Well, I appreciate you taking my call, and I hope you have a good day. Chuck, no, seriously. Thank you for the call, my friend. Anytime. All right, buddy. Yeah, take care. Great stuff, guys. We've hit 2 o'clock. I, I will just say again on a final note that uh, I, I just don't see Spencer Rattler getting benched. I, I don't. And I see somebody commenting about, don't bench Rattler, rotate Joiner or Doty in the rotation. I would ask you, do you, do you really think that's going to happen? I mean, again, I love Shane Beamer, but he ain't Steve Spurrier, man. Uh, there's, there's few coaches that can get away with that because you're assuming that if they did that, it would work. Well, what if it didn't? And then you're looked at as like you're truly a buffoon, right? You just – you can't – if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero. I, I know what Steve Spurrier did. He's Steve Spurrier. It, it's truly, as DGD saying, it's a recipe for disaster. I don't think you're going to see it happen. On that note, guys, hey, thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. Um, stay tuned to all the content. Of course, content bleeding out the eyeballs. Again, those all tuned in via podcast version. Thank you. Go like the show, rate the show, subscribe to the show. Uh, leave us five stars. Also, it helps the show. Uh, no podcast tomorrow, of course, on the Spurs Up show, like the normal podcast. We will, but the Daily Crow will air as normal tomorrow, noon to two. Uh, I want to say thank you to those that called in. Thank you to those that commented. Thank you to J.C. Sherbert for taking the time to chat. Uh, and again, guys, we're out of here. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.